Welcome to the Dildork Storky Discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I've had quite a few shitty experiences with doctors, and I know I'm not alone in that. Who are you, friend? I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and porn performer, and I am halfway vaccinated for COVID-19. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that's why we decided to do an episode on medical. Yeah, because I got stabbed with a pointy thing, like a different one that I usually do every week. Yeah, so both you and my spouse got your first dose of the vaccine on the same Mm -hmm. day, and I was just so stoked about it. I was like, let's talk about medical podcast, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) But yeah, how did that go? What was that like? I mean, weird and surreal in all of the ways you would expect. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to the convention center because that's where the city of Philadelphia is doing their vaccinations and FEMA was there. So it was just a bunch of people in military garb and everything was like very well organized, very streamlined. I got an email with a link to make an appointment. I showed up and went through a line just like I was going to get into like a con or something. (laughs) Um got my shot but from some guy in fatigues and then sat for 15 minutes to make sure I didn't go into like anaphylactic shock or whatever and walked mm-hmm. home um f- I felt mostly fine afterwards um I don't know a little headachey but whatever I know some folks have talked about side effects but mostly it was just weird and surreal mm-hmm. in <laughs> both totally expected and unexpected ways I guess yeah yeah I've been uh, very interested to see like people's experiences. I read this article the other day about people getting really dressed up for their vaccinations, like ball mm. gowns and suits and stuff. And I was like, that's <laughs> probably going to be me. Like, it just seems like <laughs> something that would be nice to dress up for. That's like the part yeah. I'm most excited about because I'm a femme. I mean, obviously, I'm excited about the being vaccinated part also. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's a chance to go out. And there are so few of those these days. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so yes we're gonna talk about medical play i've had this on my list forever of mm-hmm. a thing that we should talk about um and i think i was a little bit intimidated by it because uh i haven't done a ton of it or like the the medical play that i have done has been fairly focused in like a few specific areas <laughs> uh which i guess is like the case for a lot of folks um and also it's just kind of a very broad thing like there's so many things that can count mm as medical play. I was wondering if you had a, had thoughts on like, how would you define medical play overall as a category? Okay, I think my understanding of medical play exists kind of within a Venn diagram, right? So it's made up of two things that sometimes overlap and sometimes don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first category being any sort of medical role play, right? Someone is a doctor or a mad scientist or, you know, whatever, doing experiments on a body. Um, evil dentist, who knows? I know what that is, I think. Um, but, you know, whatever genre of that you want to do, um, where it's very baked into that role play. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the other side of it, I think of as... Any sort of kink that you should probably have some slight medical background knowledge, right? Not necessarily Mm. going to med school, but things like needles or sharps or anything that breaks the skin, right? I mean, you should know the first aid facts of whatever kinks you're playing with, right? You need to know things about joints if you're playing with rope and et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but I do think anything that breaks the skin um, kind of takes that to a different level and requires a heightened level of safety and concern. And I tend to think of that stuff as existing similarly under the medical play umbrella, even if it is not my, you know, pervy doctor who is stabbing me with a bunch of beautiful needles. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that you made that distinction there, because when I think of medical play, like in my own life, I'm thinking of the first category you mentioned, which is mm-hmm. like play acting as members of the medical community. Um, and you mentioned um, perverted dentists or whatever, and it made me think of that storyline in um Little Shop of Horrors, where there's a <laughs> dentist who just is straight up a sadist. Like, he has an entire song about being a sadist. And in the movie version, he has this client who's played by Bill Murray, who is evidently, like, a dentistry play bottom, who just keeps coming in and being like, can I have a root canal that's, like, long and slow and, like, as painful as you can make it? Great. And it's it's very... It's, it's super weird and probably gave a lot of people kinks, but, like, The reason I'm bringing it up is I think it's important to note here that uh, people who are into medical play are not necessarily into like actual medical interactions. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, in many cases, people who are into medical play, some of that interest comes from shitty experiences in actual medical situations, like feeling disempowered, Mm -hmm. feeling dismissed or not listened to by doctors, feeling taken advantage by the, the medical system. Um, mm-hmm. and there can be something empowering about, you know, doing medical play role play when, when you've had that type of experience. And even if you haven't, um, mm-hmm. so I guess like my next question is what interests you specifically about medical play? Like, what are you drawn to about it? If anything, geez. So this is an interesting question. Um, and I, so I have, if again we're talking about if we're breaking it down into those two components again i have fairly minimal interest in role playing in doctors type scenarios mm-hmm. um i mean i'm not a no if i was playing with someone who was super into it cool we could find a way to make that hot but it's not like at the top of my priority list mm-hmm. however um i have realized that like the niche little corner genre of that that is hot to me is uh all of the weird medical scenes in, like, superhero movies and things. Anything that veers into Mad Scientist hmm. and, like, I- enduring extreme amounts of pain for some, you know, mutant transformation thing. I don't know, I'm picturing the Captain America scene right now. But, like, <laughs> there are lots of them. Interesting. Um, yeah, any of that weird, like, I don't know, you need to endure a thing for a higher purpose, which you know, is kind of the uh, core of a lot of the kink I play with. Mm -hmm. Um, So that genre of that is really fun Um, because it also plays into my, like, objectification, being a plaything, being a subject of experimentation, Mm -hmm. things like that that's kind of hot. In terms of the actual, like, needle play or sharps or anything like that, um, so... (laughs) That is a hard limit for me, but the thing about my, like, kink for edge play and taboo and such is that the the harder a limit a thing is, it starts to circle back around to become hot again. 
Yeah, I feel and that. So, so it's just like hang, just dangling right off that little cliff over there, and all and all that um, all that it's really waiting for is a, as a hot queer with the proper skills to come kick it off and, and <laughs> convince me that this is a thing I should try, and that fear is actually excitement um, because they feel yeah. the same in your body. <laughs> Uh, and this thought brought to you by the fact that my partner recently was like, you know, I think I'm into needles. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> All right, I guess. I guess I have to get into needles now. Well, that's going to happen. And I know I have plenty of other people they can play that with, but it's just, they're hot and they're going to be holding sharp things with a new way to hurt me. And it's just, I guess I'm into it now. I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like something that I've heard you say many times is that there are a lot of kinks that are highly skills-based that you are not Mm -hmm. particularly into, but if you happen to meet someone who has those skills, you're open to that, which I think is like very much also how I feel about it. I have a very when-in-Rome approach to kink. (laughs) Yeah, because there's a degree of novelty that is hot to me, says the guy with ADHD, unsurprisingly. Um, (laughs) But... So the fact that, like, well, I'm very into this person, and if they are skilled enough that it is hot for me to think about them doing it, they are quite good at this thing, which in and of itself is hot, right? Seeing a person that you're very into being very good at a very specialized skill, that's Mm -hmm. hot pretty much whatever the skill is. And if the skill can hurt me, well, it's a little bit hotter. And oh, darn, it's a thing I'm terrified of. Uh, Well, that shit doesn't quite outweigh the other stuff, I guess, anymore. (laughs) I loved what you said about uh, enjoying, like, taking pain or taking sensation for a higher purpose. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that is what a lot of people are into about medical play. Like my, one of the fantasies that my spouse has about medical play is related to like being milked for their cum. Mm. And yep. it's, it's always sort of vague, like what the cum is for. Like, is it being used for some kind of experiment? Is it being used to, I don't know, make a clone? Like it doesn't even <laughs> actually matter. It might even be hotter in some ways if you don't know, <laughs> because yeah. then it's like, it could be even more nefarious than you're imagining. Um, and I also really identify with that idea in my own play. And like, uh, I know I've talked about this a bunch before, but I have to, we're talking about medical play. So I do have to talk about hysteria. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if y'all don't know, hysteria was a, an illness in the Victorian era. Um, it's not really thought of as an illness anymore because it was kind of a bullshit illness. It was kind of just like ascribed to women who complained of anxiety or sexual problems or like pretty much anything. And a lot of the symptoms that they were complaining of were symptoms of basically like being a woman living in that era, like living under this very strict puritanical patriarchy. You're going to develop some symptoms. (laughs) The symptoms were acting in ways that men didn't like. Right, exactly. So they had to slap a diagnosis. <laughs> Being on inconvenient. It. Yes. Yeah. And um, a couple centuries later, this technologist named Rachel Maines wrote a book about, uh, I think it's called The Technology of Orgasm. And mm-hmm. she posited in one section, like a hypothesis, that vibrators may have been used by Victorian doctors to ease the symptoms of hysteria because it may have been thought that orgasm, which they were calling hysterical paroxysm, was a treatment for all of these symptoms. And there was even like a movie made about this called Hysteria. It's very good. If you like weird uh, comedies with a lot of sex in them, I would recommend (laughs) it. It has Hugh Dancy and Maggie Gyllenhaal, and it's it's quite a hoot. Um, But 
it turns out that this was really just a hypothesis put forth by Rachel Maines. There's actually little to no evidence that vibrators were ever used in this way or that orgasms were considered like the main cure for hysteria. Um, but like what I always tell people when I talk about this is like, just because it's a myth doesn't mean you can't role play it or fantasize yeah. about it. And I know that because I do both of those <laughs> things. <laughs> It, it, it can still be a hot myth. We have a great many of those. I'd like to introduce you to Thor. Like- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the thing that's hot to me about this fantasy, I mean, there's so many things. There's a power dynamic. I do love to mm-hmm. be a submissive bottom. I love, I love role plays where I am role playing as a as a person with less knowledge about what is happening. Mm. So like a similar thing would be like a daddy dom little girl role play where a daddy is like teaching me about my own body and my own sexual response. Mm-hmm. And there's something similar to me about this hysteria idea, particularly since at the time in the Victorian era, like women would not have necessarily had access to a ton of information about how their own bodies worked. So like maybe Mm -hmm. they would be, you know, learning things from doctors that they genuinely didn't know about their own bodies, including in my fantasies, usually like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that the clitoris felt good to touch. Oh, doctor, (laughs) do it some more. (laughs) That kind of thing. (laughs) Holder of this forbidden knowledge. Teach me more. Yeah. Um, that's like yeah. hot to me. That's a that's a power dynamic thing. And uh, it allows me to lean into a persona that feels really good for me in a sexual space, which is being this sort of like naive, childlike, submissive person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also really like, I, I think that there's something about being a sex blogger and a sex writer that has made me more inclined to like fantasies where People can actually teach me things about my own mm. body. Like, like I'm just yeah. like, you would have to be so advanced to teach me something new about my own body. Like, my spouse mm-hmm. is one of the only people I've met who has actually genuinely, like, showed me new things my body could do that I didn't know about. And that is so super hot to me. I'm very into, like, people having a mastery over my body mm-hmm. uh, and, and my sexual response. So all of that is very hot to me about medical play. Yeah, I... I definitely get all that, and it's no secret, I love playing with, like, ideas of innocence and that kind of power dynamic and everything, and I do think the power dynamic is a big part of medical play for a lot of kinksters as well, just because it's really kind of ingrained in in the root of the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, because I also share that uh, fantasy of being, like, milked for my cum for some purpose, and for me, partially what's hot about it as well is the kind of clinical nature of it. It's Mm -hmm. almost removed the, like, I don't know, passion and kind of sexuality out of it. And it is just, like, my pleasure is just kind of a side effect and a circumstance of the thing that this person is doing because they need this come to get on with their fucking workday. They have shit, they have experiments they need to go do and, like, (laughs) serious things they need to handle. And would you just hurry the fuck up? My God. Um, Which (laughs) is fun (laughs) yeah i mean that's one of the things i really like about the hysteria myth uh or urban legend as a fantasy is uh the way it's often presented is like these doctors were using their hands to provide clitoral stimulation to these female patients and it became so physically exhausting or even boring that they essentially like invented the vibrator (laughs) so that they wouldn't have to do it manually anymore um and in the movie uh adaptation like you'll see like it isn't really presented as explicitly sexual and i don't know if it's because i'm on the a spectrum but like certain fantasies where the situation is sexy but is not presented as such at all 
like really do it for me. I, it kind of reminds me like the cold clinical manner of a doctor in a medical place scene kind of reminds me of like a daddy in a DDLG scene in the sense that like even if we're playing with sexual themes even if daddy is teaching me about my own body there's usually this sort of like innocent yet authoritative tone of like we're not doing something porny here we're not doing something explicit like this is mm-hmm. you know this is medical this is official this is clinical so it it just has a totally different vibe and uh i yeah I, i'm into it and i have trouble you know exactly articulating why but that's just sort of how kink is yeah, I think, I don't know, for me, first of all, I actually, I thought, God, my brain's going in so many directions with this, which is <laughs> usually the sign of a good episode, um, or at least one that I enjoy. <laughs> Who knows if you like them. Um, but the, uh, this is, first of all, this is where I thought you were going when you were talking about being a sex blogger for so many years, um, mm-hmm. because I do think there is also something interesting in that, I don't know, we have put so much time into studying what is sexy and like traditionally hot and we have seen a lot of performative sex and kink and very hot passionate things and there's Mm -hmm. something very interesting about bringing that energy into a very or bringing a very different energy to those same kind of situations Mm -hmm. um and i think i also much in the same way i enjoy kind of corrupting innocence breaking beautiful things um Mm -hmm. There is something fun of about perverting something clinical and pure and um, professional, whatever the fuck that means in this culture, um, <laughs> and kind of turning it on its head <clears throat> and and corrupting it and making it something different. Yeah, totally. And I also think for me as a submissive bottomy person who is anxious I do like role plays if I'm gonna do a role play I like a role play where the dynamic is very structured and the interaction is very structured um so that there's not a lot of confusion or worry about like what my role is or what I'm supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. uh and I think medical play is a really good avenue for that because we all kind of know the structure of a medical appointment or like at least we can imagine it Mm -hmm. um and so <clears throat> there's a built-in power dynamic and sort of script pre-existing there that's that's nice to rely on. And what's great about that is if you are, at least if you are role-playing a good doctor, uh, part of your job is to say what is going to happen before it happens and yes. tell the patient what to expect. Yeah. Um, if you are a slightly more def- nefarious doctor, that is a fun opportunity to for, for mindfuckery. Um <laughs> But if you are not going in that direction for a scene, it can be a really great way to calm some anxieties. Yeah, that's a really great point. My spouse definitely does that. And like I've I've been learning over the past couple of years, I actually really do enjoy when someone tells me what they're going to do to me and then does it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's partly an anxiety thing and also partly just like, I don't know. I, I slept with so many fuckboys from Tinder that it's like nice when someone like, says they're going to do a thing and does it <laughs> like as opposed to the fuck boys who are like, I'll make you come and squirt so hard. And then like, don't know what a clit is basically <laughs> the fantasy of follow through. I understand yes. that. <laughs> Truly. Um, I was talking about this a bit earlier, but I'm really curious your perspective. Do you think that mm-hmm. your real life experiences 
within the medical system affect how you view medical play in your kink? This is interesting. I don't, I don't think so. So it has, that's a lie. So it has not impacted me in terms of role play and things. However, I inject myself with testosterone once a week um, and have my blood taken semi-regularly and do that and encounter a lot of other, a lot of other weird medical shit that I didn't a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has actually surprisingly made me less comfortable with them rather than more. You would think I would have like, if I had started out kind of scared of needles, this would, I would kind of get used to them and it would become less of a problem. But I started out mostly fine with needles. I would like look when I would get blood draws at like, um, you know, donation things because it made me feel like a badass when I was younger. And now I'm like, needles, no, I don't like them. Meh. Um, <laughs> which has pushed it more into the red, which, as I said earlier, has kind of pushed it way back more around into the scary but maybe fun to be made to do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess yes, but I'm not entirely sure how yet. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've also like had a fair amount of experience in the medical system and uh, just reflecting on this right now for the first time, <laughs> having written this question down. Um, my doctor for the past like 10 plus years has been like kind of a not great doctor, like to the point that I've considered switching many, many times and have like mm-hmm. tried to. But like I'm a depressed person with chronic fatigue. It's really hard for me to do bureaucratic it's so bullshit. difficult it's so really difficult. really hard there's just so much other shit that i would rather be doing with my limited time and energy um but so like this doctor has just time and time again made me feel very dismissed and not listened to and so i think that there's something very affirming and comforting for me about doing like a medical play role placing where i'm very explicitly like being listened to and and mm. um being asked questions Mm-hmm. And someone is taking a genuine curiosity, you know, in my case. And also, like, being a person with a mysterious chronic pain, chronic fatigue illness that still has not gotten an official diagnosis, uh, there is something comforting to me about the way that in medical play there can be very specific problems and very specific solutions to those problems. Like, mm. my partner can do, like, an examination in a medical place scene and be like... Yep, seems like you have hysteria. So the treatment is three orgasms. Like <laughs> it's just like very clear, which is very nice for me as a person who uh, has not been able to get a lot of answers out of the medical system. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Want to hop into some of the listener questions we got? Some of these are so great, y'all. Um, I love them. Yeah, this one excited me the most because this is such a good point. This person said, how do you take the emphasis off of props and put it on intimacy with your partner? And I love this question because I do feel like when I think of medical play, I do think of props immediately. Like I think of particularly like speculums, stethoscopes, um, maybe certain types of like old school psychiatric medical restraints. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think of, you know, like straight jackets. I know um, a couple of dungeons in New York that have like tables with the stirrups and things, mm-hmm. like actual rooms that look like entire little doctor's offices and things. Yeah. You, there are a couple places you can go to for that. I think Toronto has them as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ritual chamber last yeah. I checked in Toronto has a has a whole medical space in it, which I was like, hmm, filing this info away for later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I will say one thing that I have found helpful in this regard is my partner and I have, because we're long distance, we've done a fair amount of medical play over the phone. Which, of course, like, you could have props, but, like, they won't really come into play. They're not really directly relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, if you happen to fetishize any of those props, feel free to use them. But um, often we've set it up as, uh, like, a phone appointment, uh, which we all have experience with now that we've lived through a pandemic, um, of, like, maybe the situation in the role play is that I'm calling into a hotline for histori- uh, hysteria patients or I'm just having like a routine appointment via, via phone and then it veers in a sexy direction. And I think that mm-hmm. that's been really great for me in terms of getting into the medical play headspace without over relying on props. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought when you said this was come up with a reason they need to have a blindfold on. Mm. Because you take away sight, that is the biggest benefit that props will give you is that you can see them Mm -hmm. um if without sight a credit card could be a scalpel if you really wanted to right (laughs) um so you know a a cold spoon can be a weird medical implement um you have a whole cutlery drawer full of full of doctor's things now even just hitting them together and like the sounds of things right Mm Um, so if you can if you can come up with a reason in your story why this person needs to be blindfolded, or you just because I'm the doctor and says so, that's a great option. <laughs> um, you can also, depending on the story you want to tell, uh, I've done, I would consider medical play type stuff, but role playing with like a therapist or a psychologist who's going to tell you weird fucked up things and manipulate you. Right. (laughs) They don't need any props other than a couch, which you've probably got. Um, and a pretentious (laughs) attitude because that's just how you do that. Um, you're just like, yes, no, it's certainly that. Mm -hmm, Yeah, no, I can read your mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you can also just lean into, like, I don't know, you got a foot fetish, you're a podiatrist now. They probably don't do many, have many accessories. I don't know. I've <laughs> um, never been to one. Don't like people touching my feet. Anyway. <laughs> just a fun um, fact. But, yeah, I, I would <clears throat> lean on that and uh, lean on stories that rely on less props, right? Don't tell a story that's going to have you being like, and let me get my stethoscope to check your heart. Just pretend I'm holding a stethoscope and (laughs) checking your heart. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. A blindfold is so often a good tip just for Mm -hmm. so many different things. Mm -hmm. I also think uh, one thing I find, as I said, like really exciting about medical play is the imbalance in knowledge. And I think that this is... uh, a tool you can use if you want to lean into like using tone of voice and persona to communicate a power dynamic rather mm-hmm. than because like if you're condescending enough and you seem like you know what you're talking about and you're speaking in an authoritative tone of voice you don't need the scalpel like right. <laughs> you know you you can command respect and submission or whatever you're trying to get without that stuff um and i've certainly noticed uh that 
tone of voice is one of the biggest things that changes in my partner when they're like topping a medical play scene Mm -hmm. because the way that a doctor speaks to you is just so different from the way that your dom is going to speak to you typically. Like Mm -hmm. whether they're a nice doctor and they're being very calm and patient with you and explaining everything or they're being kind of a mean brusque doctor, um, it is a different vibe. And, uh, yeah, I think when you lean into that, it can really change how you experience the scene. It is interesting that that theme of uh, gentle or not so gentle, depending on the circumstance, condescension Mm -hmm. is such kind of a key component of at least our understanding of the medical fantasy. Yeah, I think... uh... I mean, I'm a person who does not respond very well to condescension in real life, in part because Mm -hmm. I'm a feminist and, like, having lived as a young woman for a long period of time, like, there are a lot of people who would speak to me in a patronizing way, and I don't like that because it's Mm -hmm. for pretty misogynist reasons a lot of the time. Um, And so there is, in some way, uh, something a bit different about the medical interaction in terms of condescension where, like, I'm slightly less bummed about it if my doctor speaks condescendingly to me because I know that they genuinely have many years more knowledge and education (laughs) on this issue than I do uh for the most part there are some doctors who like don't know anything about certain chronic illnesses or conditions or whatever and are like not very helpful but um I do think that's a, that's an area in which I generally feel like condescension is more acceptable and so maybe it's easier for me to eroticize it as well yeah and I mean, we're we're less talking about the reality of doctors and more the fantasy of doctors here. And the fantasy is that they do understand all of this more than you do and your body mm-hmm. more than you do. And they have all of the answers. That's the story we're told about doctors and the fantasy we're led to believe. And there is something really interesting there about so many of these other dominant archetypes have power simply because that is the person who has power, right? Mm -hmm. The father, the boss, the, um, you know, even, like, ideas of royalty and that sort of thing. And there's something interesting here about the power coming from knowledge. This person just simply knows more than you about this. And that is a kind of power to have. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really fun to play with, separate from some of these other ideas of power. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that brings up something else for me, which is, like, because their power is knowledge-based, you could pretty easily, like, flip the script and flip the power dynamic in the scene if that's something you wanted to do. I know Mm -hmm. that sometimes, like, couples who are both switches like to do this, like, just sort of switch the power dynamic of the the role play in the middle. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could definitely become the more powerful person as the patient. Um, particularly if you have some other reason that's not knowledge-based, but maybe is like to do with your stature or your, I don't know, maybe in the fantasy, you're like much more wealthy than this doctor or something like, well, and this is also an opportunity to very easily exploit someone, right? mm. Blackmail very, very quickly changes the power dynamic of any situation. Right. And, And a doctor is certainly, uh, at risk for something along those lines as well. Yeah, that's true. I've definitely done that in scenes as well. And it also makes me think of like, one thing my spouse and I have talked about with regards to medical play is like, it matters a lot whether the doctor 
is into the situation as a sexual situation or isn't at all. Like is fully mm-hmm. doing a clinical thing. And I know that a lot of people who are into medical play like prefer strongly one or the other of those things. Um, mm-hmm. And me and my partner have sort of like played with it both ways. We're like, maybe it is just fully a clinical treatment and like I have an orgasm and it's over. Um, but maybe, you know, the doctor starts becoming unprofessional midway through and mm-hmm. is like attracted to the patient. And like, I've had scenes with my partner where like midway through they were like, so I've been like touching you with my fingers for a while, but like, uh, I want to try this like new experimental treatment where I like use my mouth. Like, how would you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> and it just gets very silly. And then you do have that weird, like potential for blackmail, which mm-hmm. creates a whole other dimension of power in the scene. Mm-hmm. And there's also something interesting there with the power, right? You have the scene where the doctor really believes they are doing this clinical thing that is for the good of womankind, and they must just bang <laughs> out this third orgasm of the day because they have a very busy appointment book. And there is something hot and dehumanizing about that for me uh, as the person receiving that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be fun. And then there is the, like that scenario except oh no in the middle of it this one is different wow i don't usually feel this way oh i gosh this is getting kind of unprofessional i don't oh no which is very fun to exploit in a like flustered kind of switch the script kind of way right Mm -hmm. and then there's the other version where the doctor went into that room knowing that this was going to be hot and that he was just going to convince you to do it and not let you know it was hot the whole time and he's had a secret plot this whole time along that like you know (laughs) he's just going to convince you it's for medicine you know right Um, and it's so interesting that we talk about this all the time but those three scenes could look very similar Mm -hmm. and it's just the core of like why these two people are in the room that Mm -hmm. changes it and is the kind of thing you may want to discuss beforehand yeah great to have a backstory for a role play if you're into that (laughs) or at least just know this state that the folks are coming into it with right Mm -hmm. um and and kind of the flavor of power that you're playing with yeah you mentioned having a full appointment book and it reminded me of one of my favorite things that my spouse does when we do medical plays like because i have all this anxiety about like taking too long to come um Mm -hmm they'll usually like start the session by being like and just so you know this is my last appointment of the day I got nobody after you so we have all the time in the world and it's like wow you found a way to like insert a nice reassurance about my particular anxiety into the role play and have it make sense brilliant beautiful chef's kiss (laughs) all right um Okay, another listener is wondering, how can you make using a speculum sexy? Do you own a speculum? Because I do. <laughs> I don't? I don't. And mm. I, it is weird that I had to think that hard about that. <laughs> I mean, this is our lives, so uh, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I like impulsively bought a speculum at a sex shop once. I was like taking a friend who wanted to buy something, and I just mm. saw a speculum at the cash, like in the display case. And I was like, I don't know why, but I need this. And so now I own a speculum. <laughs> I mean, the first, the first answer is warm it up. Like that's mm. the simplest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for me, the answer would fall back on, on role play, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Why are we using the speculum? Find a reason that's hot for you. Um, is is someone like 
you know, is it a simple medical play scene, right? Is your doctor doing an examination and then going to exploit you, right? Are you being, um, is it like some weird alien medical play thing or like, you know, evil scientist kind of thing? Is it, uh, like, maybe you're being examined as, like, an object or a property of, like, hmm, let me just check out my, you know, my toy, make sure it is in good working order all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be, yeah, I, I, for me, I go to story, but that's not news to anyone. <laughs> There's also, uh, theoretically, you could use a speculum to kind of, like, stretch someone open so that they could take a larger object Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're doing like fisting or big dildos in your medical play scenes but like there are ways to inventively incorporate things like that so maybe you Mm want to do that um another thing i've enjoyed doing just by myself with speculums is if you turn them sideways then you can see the g-spot on the upper vaginal wall Mm. and it's really interesting to see how it changes over the course of the arousal process which is really hard to see without a speculum Um, so you could do things like take a picture or look at it like toward the beginning of a scene and then like get the person super turned on and then either take a picture or look at it like when they're more turned on and their G-spot is more swollen or whatever. And then you can like talk shit to them about how they're such a slut because their G-spot is swollen or whatever you want to do. That's, Mm -hmm. that's fun for me. (laughs) I love that. Just, just, let's just pause and check on your G-spot for a second. See how you're doing. (laughs) You seem to be getting a little worked up. Let's just check in on this. Yeah, this also reminds me that if you're looking for inspiration on medical play scenes, like maybe take a look at some sexological studies. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sexology has a very problematic history, like a lot of racism back then, like they would, you know, experiment non-consensually on black women and stuff like that, like really Mm -hmm. bad. But um, some of the more modern articles are pretty interesting i really like the one written by the guy who supposedly discovered the anterior fornix erogenous zone and i say supposedly because like i'm sure there are people who had that erogenous zone who knew about it before he like wrote a paper on it but um he wrote this great paper about it and it's it's like weirdly sexy to me as someone who is like kind of into medical play because he's like describing the you know clinical procedures for how he was testing people's arousal and lubrication mm-hmm. levels and applying stimulation and stuff like that and uh yeah they're a good source of inspiration if you need it mm. that makes sense um someone had a question about combining hypnosis with medical play oh, that's which is you. Yeah, it's it's so great. Um, I think that there's actually a significant amount of overlap in these two kinks in terms mm-hmm. of how people play with them. Um, one thing I know about hypnosis is certainly it can help a lot if you are into like fear play types of scenarios and you want the situation to feel more immersive or like really any role play where you want to feel more grounded in that role and in that situation. Hypnosis can be used to make it easier for you to feel like you're really that character or you're really in that physical place, depending on like how suggestible you are. Um, And uh, I've definitely found that it can amp up like fear play type scenarios. Also, I know that a lot of people who are into hypnosis are also into like altered states. Like my spouse Mm -hmm. also is very interested in like uh, anesthetics as an idea in kink or just generally like being unconscious or being sleepy or being out of it in some way. And you can use Mm -hmm. hypnosis to either make someone actually feel that way or to kind of like 
role play. Like maybe you're role playing as like a hypnotherapist and you're like putting them down. And then once they're in trance, you're going to like take advantage of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot you can do there. The The person was asking like, what's the best and safest way to combine these two things? And I would just say like, um, read Mind Play by Mark Wiseman because that has all the good tips about like safety uh, and consent practices and safe words and stuff in hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And um, just whatever you do, definitely make sure that you have a safe word and or a safe signal. And um, in particular for uh, like hypnosis-based role plays, I would suggest maybe having like a question that is a way for you to check in, but that is sort of disguised. Like I know you've talked about doing this in mm-hmm. role plays where like mm-hmm. um, you sort of have a code. So like maybe the code is like if in the scene my hypnotist's evil doctor says to me like, uh, are you comfortable in that chair? Like maybe I can say yes or no. And that secretly means like, you know, yellow or red or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff's good. And also like definitely debrief after medical play, like definitely make time for aftercare and like post-scene discussion. I think medical play can be very emotionally difficult and rigorous. Like even if you don't necessarily think it will be, cause it's just a different mood. It's just so different from so many yeah. other types of DS. So yeah, those are my recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay, last question. This listener was wondering, how can we kinkify access needs and care, i.e. using medical play to eroticize your real-life experiences of, like, needing care or giving care due to conditions that you have or whatever it may be? Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I thought this was a really interesting one. Um, So, because I think it's really complicated and could be really great, right? Um. So I think we particularly want to, when we're talking about something like this, I think we want to be looking at care we give to ourselves or care that our partners give to us. Like, we don't want to be eroticizing anything that, like, things we're having to go to hospitals for or doctors or things like that, right? Because then we're non-consensually including other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to get that out of the way off the bat. Um, in terms of activities you do for your partners, right? I know a lot of people have to provide some kind of medical care or choose to provide some kind of medical care for their partners or have some sort of medical stuff they have to do regularly for themselves. I'm even thinking of uh, things that my partner had to do for me right after top surgery to help care for me. Um, And there can be something, I think universally, there is something really fun about taking kink and dropping it into an everyday scenario that you have to do every anyway that would be boring at best or annoying at worst. Sprinkle a little kink on it, now it's shiny and sparkly and fun. Um, and this seems like a really great opportunity for this, and you are better at making this decision than I am. Mm-hmm. And I do want to encourage you to think just a little bit longer about uh, adding that sprinkling of kink to anything that is life or death. Um, I've used it on things like food and it felt weird about it. Um, and I'm wondering if this might come up similarly, right? Because when kink becomes complicated, you still have to do this. Mm. Um, whatever this like medical care thing is happening. Um, and when you sprinkle that layer of kink on something, 
I think of it kind of like a threat, two threads getting intertwined and pulling mm-hmm. them back apart is going to be a little bit harder. So mm-hmm. the day you and that partner are having a fight and your kink dynamic feels weird, or if y'all break up one day and you're a little tender around that kink dynamic, well, now this isn't a thing you can avoid for a little while until you mend that wound, right? Mm-hmm. You still need to do this. And before kink, this was tedious, you know, boring at best and tedious at worst. Now, after kink, it's got that bad feeling on top of it and all of these other things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is not to say that you can't incorporate kink into this and have a really beautiful, connective, um, intimate moment with your partner in this thing that felt icky before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just... it. It is something I would encourage you to think about a little bit before running in head first because it can I think it can be kind of a weighty thing to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. I do think uh, it's very easy to view a DS dynamic as like something that you can like just incorporate into all aspects of your life. But yeah, like you said, like it's not necessarily the safest thing, depending on you know the stability of the relationship and what's going on in your life. Um, so I'm glad you said that. I would definitely recommend that this listener and anyone who's interested in this read the book Kneeling in Spirit yes. by Raven Caldera. Um, it's an anthology of stories by submissive identifying people who live with various disabilities. Um, and even if it's not like directly relevant to your experience, like even if you don't have like a physical disability or whatever, I think that you'll find a lot of stuff in there is relevant to you and is interesting. Um, there's a lot of info about like how people work around stuff and how people eroticize, you know, their, their condition or whatever they have to do to like maintain themselves. Um, it definitely gave me a lot of food for thought. Um, personally in my dynamic, like I'm hesitant for some of the reasons you mentioned, to like sign over anything that I actually like have to do to my partner like as much as I could have my partner boss me into like taking my antidepressant every day or whatever like I really need to be able to remember to do that by myself whether I'm with them or not Mm -hmm. um so for me it's more usually stuff that's like self-care or nice to haves um that I end up involving my partner in and like a lot of times for me this looks like having a really nice long massage uh on a bad pain day prior to having sex or instead of having sex um or uh you know my partner like bossing me into doing certain self-care activities that help Mm -hmm. with my pain like taking a bath or going for a walk um that kind of stuff that's sort of like more supportive and more like sort of around the periphery of the illness rather than like directly addressing the illness itself I think works better for me. Mm-hmm. But I would also say like look at your current plan of whatever you do to deal with your illness or condition or whatever it may be and look at those things and is there anything that's just like super tedious and that could maybe be jazzed up by some kink. Um this is the kind of thing where I do find it helpful to actually physically write it out and look at a list because you you do kind of want to go through each of those things and individually think about them and think them through. Like, what would it be like to kinkify that? Mm-hmm. Also, if you are lucky enough to have a doctor or a therapist or whatever who is kink positive, kink aware, um, you could discuss this with them. Like, uh, whether or not, you know, to incorporate kink into your care in some way and how to do that safely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm really lucky to have a kink positive therapist who's been like very supportive of me, like using kink to deal with certain aspects of my illness. Uh, and it's good just like to have a professional who's able to be like, okay, yeah, that sounds safe. Or, oh, like, I don't know about that. Like, have you thought about this risk or this problem with that? Um, mm -hmm. But I know that not all of us are as lucky to have a doctor who's chill about that stuff. So your mileage may vary. Yeah. All right, folks, thank you so much for those great questions uh, and for joining us for this episode of The Dildorks. I have been Kate Sloan. I have a sex blog at girlyjuice.net. I write a weekly newsletter at katesloan.substack.com, although I'm considering changing to a different platform because Substack gave some money to some transphobes. I'm really bombed about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice and uh, an exciting thing I have to share with you this week. If you're listening to this episode, like the day it drops or fairly soon after uh, this coming Saturday is my nine year blog anniversary, and I'm yeah, I'm so excited and I'm having a online live streamed concert because I just was like, I don't get to play music enough anymore and I miss playing music for folks and yeah. that's what I want to do for my blog anniversary. So it's this coming Saturday, March 27th. And it's free, and all of the info is at katesloanmusic.com. And I hope you'll be there. It's going to be a fun time. Where That's cute stuff? as hell. I love that. Thank oh my you. God. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Bex. You can find my writing and information about my workshops at bextalksex.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at bextalksex. I'm also on Twitter much more frequently at Billy Lore, where I show off my dick and stuff. Um, <laughs> you can also find links to all of my porn over there. Uh, together we're the Dildorks. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Dildorks and at thedildorks.com. You can find us by searching the Dildorks in your favorite podcast app, which, let's be honest, is how you got here anyway. And you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash the Dildorks to throw money at our faces and help us keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> is that a kink, throwing money at people's faces? Yes, it is now. I'm into it. Wow. Yeah. It's like thin I mean, on mixed I, with I, humiliation. I both enjoy throwing money at hot people and having it thrown at me, so. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I'm here for it. Put that on my fat life list. <laughs> and do everything Thank about. <laughs> Thank you so much to Protodome for the use of his song, I Want You in My Bedroom, as our theme song. And thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. But I think if... Sorry, I looked down at my phone and saw the DM from a cute person and fully lost all of my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> wow. Gosh. <Sorry. laughs> Gosh, she's pretty. Okay. Um. Okay. Um, mm. Hypnosis can be used to make it easier for you to feel like you're... Hello? Sorry. Food. Okay, thanks. I'm going to go eat a steak. I'm so excited. <laughs>